1: Hey, everybody. I just finished up an interview with Kurt from Dotronics, who's one of the last remaining people manufacturing CRTs for use in mostly museums and things like that. Now, normally, this is the type of interview that I would never want to do over Skype. I would want to be there with my cameras, walking through the facility, and really seeing all this stuff firsthand. So, unfortunately, with everything going on in the world, we're stuck with a Skype interview, which means the audio is not that great. There's that awkward delay where sometimes you step on each other. But uh, I do want to get back there and do something in person, so this this time uh, it's just kind of an overview of what Kurt does and his history. Also, just to put it into perspective, he the monitors that you're going to be hearing us talk about are video wall monitors, which are mostly used in museums and stuff like that, and there were many companies making them, and they all looked very similar, so while you might see things that look like these monitors still floating around, they might not be of the same quality, so I just wanted to say that first, because when you hear some of the things we talk about, you may have picked up one of those leftover museum monitors that were going around for 200 bucks in the past year or two. Um, and while it looks the same, these are definitely of higher quality. So uh, just keep that in mind in the interview if you've already seen one of these. If you don't, or if you haven't, then what I just said is just rambling. and doesn't make sense. So I'll quit talking. Uh, and without further ado, here's Kurt from Dotronics. Hey, everybody. I am here with Kurt from Dottronics, who might be one of the last people on the planet still making brand new CRTs. Is uh, that about correct?
0: I, I would probably venture best to say yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, I I got familiar with your work because of the CRTs that you make for museums and stuff like that. Um, but I think the, the crowd that will be listening to this really probably wants to hear everything so (laughs) start start from the beginning if you wouldn't mind and and please just tell us a little bit about yourself and dotronics and um and how and why you ended up here because everybody that listens to this is a a giant fan of crts uh and we love to hear stuff like this
0: yeah it it depends how far back you want to go so it's uh i I started in the crt business it's been a family business over the years and i started back in 10th grade oh wow and uh (laughs) I, I, it's all I've done my whole life, and, and I've been around. I'm not an engineer myself, but I've been around brilliant engineers my whole life. The, the, the no video deflection and CRT technology, and they come from the vacuum tube era, and they, they worked work their way through the, the diode era. Mm-hmm. So they really understood that. My father was a was self taught electrical engineer, so he, he essentially uh, way back in the, during the Apollo days, uh, the Apollo mission right, program. Yeah. If you go down to Cape Canaveral and look at their, the the thing where they bring the uh, consumers to see the, the simulation of the of launch. Mm-hmm. All those displays are my father's. He built those in his basement. Oh, wow. So that's how far back that goes. And he essentially was the first solid-state display that NASA used with diodes and transistors. Otherwise, before that, would have been vacuum tubes. So that's kind of that's what I grew up under. If, if we, I wasn't out doing baseball. I was making electronics up with Dad and blowing stuff up. And he... It was a whole different childhood for me. So people go, you know, if baseball shut down. It's like I don't care. I'd rather <laughs> i not, not, I like sports, but not to that extent. So, um, so that's kind of where I've I've always been in an engineering family, and I, I'm not a degree engineer myself. So I have a bunch of them that help me if I get stuck someplace. I've got EEs around that can pull me out of the trouble because that mm-hmm. just wasn't my forte. I'm actually a degree meteorologist, if you of all things. Oh, really? Huh. So I went to school. I've got enough physics and electrical background. to to do this but um i just decided that when i came out of school i just said you know it was a recession couldn't get jobs anywhere so i just started working in the stockroom with the business and then just blew my way up and then back in in about 2003 my father passed away I, I, I took over the company and then we took it private in 05 and didn't sell my first monitor to a museum until 07 oh
1: wow okay
0: so it, it it was a was a market that just wasn't on our radar it, other businesses and other manufacturers were making crts and that's that satisfied their niche obviously when flat panels came along that all changed. I just happened to be in a position with with warehouses full of crts and electronics you know tens of thousands of different parts that you some you can't get anymore mm-hmm. We're sitting there and I thought what am I going to do am I just going to trash it go find another job or and all of a sudden Museum of Modern Art came along
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, seven and uh, they wanted to do a five by five video wall and they, no one else, you know, Sony, Mitsubishi, pan they were all gone. Mm-hmm. They, they were CRT business. We had stackable video wall miners that I could still produce. Well, that kind of started. Once I put that in from there, it just exploded. They, they realized, Hey, this guy's still around. he can still do it. And I essentially don't have anybody else producing the stuff. So uh, that's kind of how, how the evolution of Diotronics went to where I'm at today. Uh, uh, it's it's the strongest it's ever been for demand and supply. Obviously, is is low. So uh, at some point, I'm going to run out of material.
1: Um, you can't you can't buy. It so what was the company's focus throughout uh, its lifespan up until then? Is it for uh, was it commercial only or was it did you have consumer TVs strictly, that you
0: made? Strictly strictly commercial. So it would have been medical care. It would have been arrival departure monitors at airports. We had mm. heavily in that. Area huge medical presence from MRIs to CAT scans to ultrasounds, uh, ATM machines, all kinds of things we produced. Because in the old days, uh, every signal source had to have a a monitor designed for that signal. Mm -hmm. Bill Gates came along in the early 80s and standardized video signals for computers. Well, then all of the other manufacturers decided, okay, we're going to adopt those frequencies. Then, Then they could mass produce displays without having to make Every, you know, we have probably 4,500 different displays we made at one time. Wow. You know, we did, the, like, Medtronics, we did affordable defibrillators. That little, do you remember the, I don't know your age, but uh, remember the William Shatler's 911 program? Yeah. Back when? Yes. They would show a little blip on the heart monitor? Yes. Those are our displays. Those are little 5-inch displays we made for, for, actually, it was called Physio Control. now it's Medtronics. They bought them out mm-hmm. years ago. And now it's all flat panels. Yeah. You know, once flat panels came, it wiped out the business. So there's all the monitored people are out of the business. I don't know if anybody, but maybe one's doing some nine inch work for some custom mm-hmm. uh, product. But other than that, it's this, even all my suppliers are pretty much gone. They, they just don't sell the raw material anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fortunately, I, I, I saw that coming, bought a lot of material, uh, just speculation that, Hey, I could use this stuff. And, and that's, you know, now those sources are gone. I can't buy that anymore. So, when I run out of my material, uh, then I, you know, I go fishing, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. dealing with retro gaming stuff. I mean, I know exactly what you mean by that. Cause if you can't get certain parts anymore, you have to figure out how to make your own, you know, how close yeah. of a replacement can you make it where it's still going to be considered the original device, stuff like that. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. So essentially
0: that's how we evolved to this. And once Momo was installed, you know, obviously other curators go through and, 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 uh, See that? Hey, would you get this? And then it just it just spreads. So I'm I'm shipped all over the world right now. I'm I'm down in China, New Zealand. Mm. I've actually got a bid going out to Russia. Oh, cool. So I mean, it's all over the world that they're looking for this stuff because they just can't get it. And uh, uh, unfortunately, the supply is going to not be enough to meet demand at some point. And they're even all these museums are trying to decide what are we going to do when this is when this when we can't get raw material anymore and get product. Mm. And, still working on that how do they how do they continue showing these pieces of work without a physical display you know
1: yeah funny that's that's how we met for everybody listening is a friend of mine works for museums and contacted me about hey how could we how could we replace CRTs for hey, some of them will never be able to be replaced for certain things but for others what's the best way to go around that we we're trying to figure out a bunch of different things but uh, yeah it's the the look of a CRT I don't know if it'll ever truly be able to be reproduced um, I mean, it's, I always try to describe it as best I can, but maybe you could add something to this because sometimes I'm not so good at it. But it's the image is drawn by a beam of light on the back of a piece of glass. So any space between, especially for video games where there's a lot of undrawn areas, we sometimes refer to them as scan lines, even though the actual data is really the scan lines, but whatever. Um, you're actually looking through glass at empty space. So, especially when you're playing a video game, you get that that odd sense of depth that you can't quite notice. In the same way, you don't notice that your persistence of vision is seeing the image being drawn, but it's a different feel. And even things like uh, TV shows that were shot in 480i60 for for television, watching those on a TV on a CRT TV always feels much different than on a flat panel. Um, So there's just you know whether whether people care or not is a different story. But in the future, there's certainly going to be people that don't know how some of these games and shows ever were supposed to look because you know, CRTs are, are getting harder to find. Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, no, exactly. So it, it's uh, what I hear from all my customers, mainly in the museum industry. We just don't have the look and feel, uh, and, and a lot of these where they've they've these artists have made these videos on old CRT-based technology. It, it's like John Rembrandt to change its canvas. It just it won't be the same, so they got to have it on the original device. So the highest demand is my curved product, my curved glass product, which is going to come sooner than the other stuff. I got a lot of flat glass product that, as the evolution of the industry changed, everything was curved, and when flat panel came, the CRT industry tried to compete, so they made flat glass. Right. So the same. And then eventually that was a very short period of time that that happened. Then it just dropped off the flat panel. So uh, yeah, that you don't get the static the, the the hum you know the radiation all that it's the feel that you get out of a CRT That you just flat panels just don't have it so yeah um, So that and I'd say it's it's just one of those I think it's a technology eventually That will just be in the archives but you won't no one will be able to produce the CRT again inexpensively This is that's that's an industry very complex industry process and all the people that did are getting old and dying off And if they're not teaching at school uh, it would be a monumental task to, to to make all the components for glass and the devices that need to like the deflection yokes to make it deflect. It just, that's you can't wind those in the basement. That's just it's a highly precision machine process, and and they're all, all the yoke guys are all gone. I mean, that's another that was a whole separate industry to the glass. You know. So.
1: Yeah, I actually read an article a few years ago, is there, probably more than a few years ago now, but there was one company in China that was going to be the last big manufacturer of CRTs and they sold off everything, the equipment to another company who couldn't figure out how to get the windings right. So there's just a bunch of stock of stuff sitting there. Somebody contacted me about it a few years ago, like, hey, that stuff's still there if you know anybody that wants to make them. But the problem is, I don't think people realize that that $300 flat panel TV that you get from Amazon or Best Buy, if that wasn't made in a billion dollar facility, you know, 100,000 at a time, that would be a $2,000 monitor minimum. So it's volume. Yeah, it's the yeah. same with CRTs. So you know, if if that CRT that you got for three hundred bucks, you know, in two thousand, that would have been a you know twenty five hundred, three thousand dollars CRT if it was not a major assembly line process.
0: Well, they they've got where they make the substrates for the flat panels over in Korea. They have a clean room that's
1: two million square feet,
0: just a clean room. Wow, alone oh, well, inside of another building, two million. Your your big grocery stores are what hundred thousand square feet. Mm. They got 20 of those just to be a clean one, then they have a building around that, so it, it's an immense process, that's why they're so cheap now, and now they're making them out of plastic, there's no more glass substrates, they're all plastic now, so they're lighter and cheaper and faster, and now they're throwaway. Yeah. you know, so I get people call me all the time for repair of flat panels, by the time I turn my labor around and buy the part, you can buy a new one, Right. so you just, you just gotta recycle them or whatever they do with them, so I, I don't, I, I've i never touched flat panels, I even tried to distribute them, because it's just a crazy business, so. Yeah, I'd rather stay small niche business. So, yeah, it, it uh, yeah, you won't do windings. Even and most of the people that that I know that are engineers, that help me are, are in their eighties. <laughs> so, so I, I, it all has a limited lifespan for me. Even if I got, if they were to pass, and you know, that, that I'm, lo- I got a few people I can draw from yet. That that if if I get to that technical problem, like you know, it's nice to have those E's because you can do all kinds of fun stuff with CRTs that that I I can't I can't engineer. So, <laughs> but they can so.
1: Yeah. Luckily, there's a, a a growing group of enthusiasts that want to keep this stuff alive. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of them. I'm not nearly as smart as my friends are, but uh, there are at least a group of people that are trying to understand how these things work, how to repair them, and how to make sure that you know, as long as the tube still works, we could enjoy CRTs for for that period of time. So, but yeah. you're right. I mean, it's important that this info gets passed down, and at least it's easier nowadays. You know, you could yeah. do a podcast like this and talk to somebody for a while and get that information saved forever. So. Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, it, it's uh, you know I'm, I'm I've probably got a couple, maybe a couple, three years left of inventory to service this industry, and then at that point it's going to get all dicey because my even the places I was finding glasses, even the unusual glass places, you wouldn't even go look. Like I found I found a batch of 150 brand new CRTs buried in the hay in a barn. Wow. <laughs> i go well send me one of those and if i can make it work and if it's you know it's the glass is a perfect vacuum there's not nothing inside's going to get hurt right yeah Inside's easy to clean up unless it's scratched you know that's even a chip so I, sure enough i shipped them in and they work great and after i clean them up they're a brand new product they're zero hour product so that's awesome but both kind of finds it's almost like storage wars you know right yeah. it's like i i need to find these things and there's just not a lot around i did find a, a large batch of uh 17 inch color glass but that's just something that's not a high demand they had like 5,000 tubes ago I just I I don't want to buy those and stick them in a warehouse and hope I can sell those because it's an odd size you know yeah you know 100 of them would be great but it it takes a lot to design the board to drive that tube with the deflection and there's a lot of engineering to it so far beyond what I know
1: (laughs) yeah it's a lot more complicated than people think um so you're I guess the best way to describe your monitors then would be uh, professional video monitors where you needed extra details. So not just a consumer TV where you'd throw in composite video, you needed something like a monitor, something, something that people could get, especially for the medical imaging stuff, right?
0: Yeah, that, that took it you, know, it, it, you have a whole batch of engineers to do the, the, the specifications and how tight the specs have to be for say a medical monitor is extremely higher than what a gaming monitor would be. Mm-hmm. You know, their tolerances on linearity and geometry, you know, your your doctor's looking at a tumor, it can't be oval, it's got to be round. And so they're they're much more complex. I mean, uh, the basic gaming monitors and basic, you know, consumer stuff, they use a device called a flyback, which generates the high voltage. Mm -hmm. In medical monitors, they actually have a high voltage power supply that's designed that's probably uh, 300 times more expensive than the flyback. Wow. So when the something changes the image doesn't move at all. So words, if you notice know in a flyback, you change brightness levels, it'll the picture'll change size a little bit. Yes. And that's all regulation. The flybacks won't regulate, but high voltage will. So that's more tech than you probably want to know. But no, this so that's that exactly
1: of, the type of stuff we want to hear.
0: <laughs> so what the what we do here is is all flyback based stuff. All the technical all my medical stuff is pretty much gone. Uh, the stuff we do for museums doesn't have that tight of tolerance. They just want it to look pretty and have to fit the image and, and display and it has to have good purity and, and good color. Uh, uh, the geometry isn't all that critical, you know, not down to, per, you know, fractions of a percent. If it wasn't percent, two percent would be more than enough for, for most, most users. They wouldn't, your eye can't see it, you know? So, um, but yeah, so most of what we do here is I do a lot of industrial displays still for people that have old equipment that can't get a flat panel in there. And I'll do those for them and keep them up. Uh, you know, there's 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 paper cutters I deal with. There's big blast furnaces. So there's a little side old business, monochrome business that I keep going. Uh, it's almost hobby levels. It's not not eight hours a day kind of thing. So museum business is, is the biggest piece of my business. That's where I do the the large green color for them, and that's that's that'll go on for a while. Mm. Uh, say until I run out of glass. So. <laughs>
1: Now, um, flyback versus the, uh, the power supply, the high end power supply ones, um, line count, TVL, still has, has some kind of uh, effect on how much detail is able to be drawn on the screen, right? Uh,
0: on, on monochrome, no. On monochrome, it's, it's all based on electronics and how small you can make the spot size. Interesting. So the you know, higher frequency, the smaller spot you can, because there's no shadow mask on a monochrome CRT. Mm-hmm. If you're talking color, then you're limited. All color glass. Have shadow masks that have triads and that's why you, you know the pixels by the uh, length by width if you will and uh, so uh, you can't create that's a fixed number of pixels you can't change that so when they say you can get a higher resolution yeah they can not they can you can drive it but you're not going to get the resolution because you can't create more physical triads in a, in a monochrome crt it's just it's just painted phosphor and solvers, it's how good that gun is designed and how small a spot size you make based on the frequency so you can make a smaller line smaller spot you can write more lines hmm. So that's why, and I, uh, with a high voltage power supply, that's more that's more of, of a regulation issue to keep things stable. Uh, it's the electronics that drive the frequency to what spots. And if you get higher up, you need better yokes. And it, you're you're getting beyond my engineering capabilities. You'd, you'd have to have an engineer to really describe how that all works. Mm. But that's kind of but is completely different than color. So uh, just like your flat panel on your on your on your uh, laptop. That's got a fixed number of intersections. You can't get any more, or any less. It's just what it is. So, uh, but uh, unlike the monochrome we have, the one I have over here running with the pattern, I don't have the right track show the one with the with the hash, hashtags on it there. That's 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 a monochrome 12 inch. So that is that that one's running 15750. It's just a low frequency basic monitor. So, uh, but. You, that's that has. There are no. There are no shadow masks on that monitor. It's just a sprayed phosphor in the, in the spot size, whatever it's going to be for that frequency is what you get. And obviously, it's refreshing at a rate that your eye can't see. Obviously, that's why it works. Right. So, but, but uh, that's that's kind of the difference between the two. So the high voltage slides were only used really in real high end applications, medical applications, things where you really had to have high voltage regulation. Which uh, I don't know if you can even buy them anymore. Mm. I mean, at the time we, I've still got a bunch in stock, but I don't know what to do with them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not you I can't there's no reason to use them they're, they're really bold. it's like you know putting a Lamborghini engine in a Honda it's
1: just a, <laughs> you know right so what are the what so, are the line counts on your color monitors that you still sell though what are the museums getting they they look um because I've seen them in person and they certainly look better than your your, your standard consumer grade tv at the same size
0: uh they yeah consumer can be you know the obviously consumer grade stuff they're, they're they're making they they in the past they designed it just to get the basics out of them
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, these are still really uh they're still uh low frequency monitors not anything to do with hd this is still the old ntsc standard that's produced in these old crts uh they're not a they're not a vga svga kind of setup Mm -hmm. Uh, so you're getting 525 lines it's just the especially in my flat glass that i have in the behind me they're just well it's just as time went on they designed better and better too if you look at the 70s tube, they were kind of fuzzy and you know well, time goes on, technology grows. and obviously the flat panel, the flat CRT is the last one they really produced, and they got away from the curve. So uh, it all has to do with setup and purity and color setup, and uh, how well the flyback works with the with the tube for focus and things like that. So that's all uh, you can tweak all that to make it look as good as you can. And it, it, but over time, you'll see them get fuzzy and dimmer, and that's just how CRCs kind of burn out over time. Right. So that, and you can't fix that. Now there used to be people who would re-gun tubes. You cut the neck off, put a new, you know, pull a, put a new neck on it, pull a vacuum, and be gone. You could even wash the phosphor, but all those people are gone too. You know, they're the ones that we need right now. That would be ideal because you could, although you have to have the gun manufactured. So the CRT gun still has to be made. and Who's doing that? Right. Why would you build? No, there's no demand. There's no. There's no customers for it. Yeah, I'm not big. To keep anybody alive, so. <laughs> You know, yeah that, you know, and it used to be a essentially we we're a parasite on the consumer business. Consumer T V market is where how monitor companies existed. Mm-hmm. 'Cause the consumers bought, like in the United States, eighty eight million televisions a year. Uh you know, we were lucky if we did ten thousand displays, you know, so a year. So it was you can still so we could buy cheap parts off the bigger consumer industry.
1: Exactly. Now that,
0: that there's nowhere to get your parts. You know, it's it's just gone.
1: So yeah. You know, that's the one thing we're running into, too, is there's a lot of people that are smart enough to, to redesign pretty much every board inside a CRT, but not the glass, not, you know, not not uh, not fix anything like burn in or, or color or uh, when the guns get out of line so that, you know, usually uh, red, I, I'm able to see more or more often starts to drift away from the others. And, you know, you start to really get that. And, you know, without even if you replace every component but the tube. You're still totally, you know, out of yep. luck with that. Stubes
0: weak link. Once it's wore out, it's wore out. Yeah, you can't. You, and If you could find some rebuilders and they had guns, you know, that would be slick. But I, no one looked that far ahead. Even, even Doc Reins said, well, why don't we go acquire that guy that did that, get the knowledge and, and stock all these gun types. But you don't even have it. You don't know what kind of glass you're going to have. Right. So the guns are all different. They're all designed a little bit different for each each neck, and you know, within manufacturers are similar, but different manufacturers do different things. So it would have been hard to speculate, do that, and make sure you got the right stuff to drive it. And it's it's quite complex. You know, everything's got to match, and it's all that. You know, that the monochrome one I have there, all that, all those components are matched to make that work. But I could change the yoke, and now it would look awful because it's not matched. So right. there's a lot of engineering more than I care to understand. <laughs> how to make those things work
1: so. yeah to keep it going you would essentially have to make every single piece from the glass to you know to, to the electronics to you know build your own or do your own that, winding that's,
0: it's not not practical in my volume mm. at all it, so.
1: now are the CRTs you use do they come pre-wound or do you guys have to wind them yourselves
0: say that again? I missed the term. The
1: the CRTs that you get, the actual tubes, do they come pre-wound? Like, do the ones that you still have stock of, or did you have to wind them in order to make it work with your flybacks and and everything else?
0: Well, there's there's two ways you can get glass. Uh, Either they call it you can have you have you can buy a CRT that, that what they call already yam. It's already got a deflection yoke on the back, and it's it's been mounted by the manufacturer, Phillips or Thompson or somebody else that used to manufacture glass RCA. They all had big glass plants. It all depends on how the manufacturer wanted to produce. Well, they 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 match the yoke to the tube and set it up so it's exactly lined. Your purity and your and your geometry are all set, and then the manufacturer just builds electronics and matches it up. You know, he, he'll design his board to match the the, the characteristics of the yoke. Mm-hmm. And then you go. there's other ones where we do them both ways. You buy raw glass with nothing on it. It's just the, just the CRT complete. You buy the yoke separately and you put the yoke on and then you, and we do that internally. You, you do all the yammy, you put the yoke on and get it all aligned and get it fixed and then put it. So there's two different ways to do it. Uh, when you have bonded yolks, it's tough because when it's bonded, you can't get it off. So if I want to use a different yoke or do something different, you can't get it off. It's, it's fixed on that frequency or that inductance and you can't change it. So I've got both. My 20 inch are, are uh, uh, actually I've got one line of 27s where they're on their permit and I'd love to get them off because I can use the glass with a different board, but if I can't get the yoke off, I can't make it work. Right. You know, so, so it's, it's, um, we've done it both ways over the years. We've had, you know, thousands of both types come in. Um, right now the, the 27s I have are, are all, they're all matched with yolks already. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are removed, some are not. And then the 20 inch are already matched too. So I don't, I just did a, a batch of 25 for, uh, um, I think who referred you to me. I think it was uh, Texas uh, Museum of Fine Art, in Texas, or it was somebody else. I can't remember who referred. You. I can't remember the conversation that got you to me, but um, that one they wanted a, they wanted a, a different uh, a different input with a different size unit and the tubes that had it already came with a yoke. So I said, well, I got to get that off and redo it. So we just went through a whole convergence uh, process of getting those set up, and they, they, it was a lot of extra work. It's, it's, it's an art more than a science of getting those to match and get it to look right. Yeah. And we used people on the line that could just—they could crank them up three, or four minutes—and it probably took me four hours or two to get them lined up because I'm just not—I'm not an expert at doing it because it, it's an art form. It's like laying concrete and getting it smooth. You know, you, it's all how many times you do it and get used to doing it. It's, you know what you have to do. It's just how do you do it? In any any profession. So. So I got that done and we got those all, but yeah, short long answer, it, it comes both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got the types in stock right now that, that I use.
1: And all the monitors you have in stock are all 15 kilohertz. None of them do uh, 480p, 31 kilohertz or anything like that, right?
0: No, They're all 15, 750. We do have component video that we can do, which is just another approach, but it's the same frequency. We do S video and then we do composite. So those are the three. Uh, my large flat 27s are the only component, but it's the other smaller 27s and curved, and all the other curves that so we can do a, a mixture. But the component strictly in the flat side because that's just what the board set we purchased, and that's how we do it. Could you do direct
1: RGB input if you needed to? Then Even- we did. We
0: do. A, we we did an RGB input on one of our 27s back when when the video wall processors were still real abundant. People were making those that was a nine pin to nine pin. Well, we wanted to use one of our lines that was strictly, you know, like a composite input. So the engineers made a kind of a pseudo RGB board that would take the signal, but it actually converts it back to composite. So You're really not getting true RGB, but it allowed you to use the processors and they did the processing on a little board, but eventually I had to go in because you have to set that up on the board. Now we do have a 27 inch line that we did was strictly RGB mm-hmm. uh, for the, so I can still do a few of those uh you know i maybe a couple three dozen maybe i could put together and, and do a true rgb version but they'd be spending because they're built from scratch it would be a complex process but it can be done i just the, the 20 inch so i'll show you one, one I'm sure this is this is this is the board that we we, we manufactured here uh, and that's all built by scratch every component soldered by hand it's all put together and this drives our 20 inch product well this product could also do rgb okay so we can change the back panel to get your nine-pin input, uh, and then, uh, but it would take it would take some work to do. You got it's it's kind of on the board already. Mm-hmm. So this this is, and we we to switched over from really a lot of our own manufacturing to uh, buying off a of subcontract. We we went into the uh, one of our one of our uh, one of our engineers actually used to work for uh, used to work for Zena down in Chicago. Hmm. He came work for us. We had a direct in link to to. to um, Uh, to Zenith at that point. So we started buying boards off their line from Mexico. That's kind of, that's kind of had all this inventory. We were buying, you know, thousands a month to support industry. Then it just quit. So we always had this. So I've got a a stock of Zenith boards that won't handle RGB, but so we'd have to build our own, which we still do some of that. So it's kind of a mixed bag, what people need and, and, uh, but uh, it can be done. in short answers. we can still do RGB.
1: Yeah. And that makes perfect sense because uh, most of these museum installations need CRTs, but they don't need anything past composite video. They wouldn't, they wouldn't know what to do with it because the devices they use and the art that it was built for, well, I mean, it's not yeah. about that. So. I always thought it was strange.
0: I've got, I've got a little bit. I used to have some uh, VGAS, VGXGA units in stock. We used to build some. Uh, mainly for the airports, they converted. You know, they their FID systems went up to the a higher frequency. We were doing that for a while, and uh, I had them for years. And just, you know, I always kept. Having, I got these. I figured if somebody's got to be driving computers and wanted to do a sear, because they were they were in existence for a long time, it's mm-hmm. nothing. So I finally just recycled them off and got rid of them because it just was taking up room. And I had to keep the stuff. You know, I space. You know, I got to store the stuff and all that. So it's there's there's a there's a way to run the business. It's kind of a weird business, but you got to run it. Still got to make it balance. You know, so yeah. So I I can't keep everything. I'd love to be able to keep buildings full of stuff, but you you just...
1: I I know the feeling. I can't tell you how many times I passed up. The one that still haunts me is I stumbled across the listing of a pallet of brand new Sony PVM medical monitors, and the whole pallet was like $1,000. And I said, oh, you know, I'm going to get tons of deals like this. I don't have any room for it. And I just, that was... drives me nuts brand new still in the box so yeah I know the feeling at the time it it doesn't make sense why would I keep all this why would I waste all this space in my warehouse and then looking back it's oh I don't know maybe I missed an opportunity well
0: I was given an opportunity back about over 10 years ago because I was still buying directly from Zenith they said okay we have we have 1200 of this particular CRT board combination still that that we produced for you know the hospitality industry left in stock and after that we're going to draw a line in the sand and everything's going to go in the trash. We won't even take a phone call for a part. I mean, it is done. I mean, it, it was just trash it because they're going flat panel. Mm-hmm. So I, I went off and bought as much as I could. So I wish I had all 1,200 sitting on the shelf right now, but, you know, they, I couldn't afford them. Yeah. You know, there's a limit on budget and space, and, I, you know, the, what I purchased was gone in a year, you know. So, it, it, again, that's that, that vision looking forward, and it, it's tough when it's a rare market like this, you know. Who wants this stuff right you know, back then it was still kind of a it was for for dotronics it was still kind of a new market in oh six seven eight mm-hmm. and plus we had this the big you know the great recession going on so it's like oh well, how much do i invest and in? are they going to come and hindsight says yeah i should have took the whole works and just been i should have been going crazy acquiring more stuff but i can only acquire what i could afford to hold and and pay for it and
1: to store i think it's it's easy to forget how much it costs to store something even if you own your own building because yeah you know if you bought everything and let's say it was a hundred grand worth of stuff and you end up not using it that that's really bad but if you're using up half your warehouse storing that stuff that that money that you lost on parts is actually going to be a lot less than what you would have using that for other things and i think that's what a lot of people even in collecting this stuff is you know you'd have to have a basement filled with crts and then what's going to happen what's going to happen if if something happens and you know i'm not around anymore do you think anybody's going to go through that basement and make sure all those crts get parted out no they're going to go to a recycling facility so it's just gonna yeah call call 1-800 i got junk You know. yeah exactly (laughs) But yeah, no, so that's that's
0: the same thing. I my father passed, and it's just like, oh, his stuff's just kind of sitting, but I, I'm in the business, so I kind of pick and choose and kind of cannibalize that as I need it. But here, I, I finally, I moved the business to to actually my residence,
1: hmm.
0: and there's a large outbuilding at my residence, and I wanted to move it there, because I just, in the last few years of the company, I wanted to kind of simplify things, and and uh, I've just about got the move. It's taken two years. I don't have it done yet because of business, but i almost got it to where it's in this facility now, and. Uh, it worked out great, so it just sits here and I can store it. I don't have this exorbitant cost to, to pay for rent and taxes and insurance to, to holes and stuff. It's just part of my housing cost now, which is great. So it's, that helped keep it going along. You know, I can let it sit forever and it, won't, it really doesn't cost much because I wouldn't rent out my facility at my house. Right. It's fine. It's just I, before going, hey, I, I can't get my boat and all these RTVs or whatever I might want to own someday. I can't get it in there because it's almost CRTs. So.
1: It's so funny because at least in the U.S., anybody that lives in the Midwest is probably nodding, going, "That makes sense," and everybody that lives in the city, like me, is going, "Wait a minute! You have enough room on your property for a whole other building?" <laughs> so it's a, I've got I've got
0: four thousand square feet of storage next to my house. Mm-hmm. So
1: I think I have four square feet of storage in my Manhattan apartment. So <laughs> it,
0: yeah.
1: I'm on two and a half acres, and it, it, it's a,
0: it's absolutely gold mine. How I, I found this, it just fell in my lap and. I filled it up and I took eight, ten truckloads of stuff and just filled it to the rafters and and uh, I just recycled about ten thousand dollars worth of glass that I couldn't use it. it. was just stuff that was wore out or scratched or something I couldn't use. So I, during this pandemic, I had a, about a ninety-day reprieve of just no phone calls, no emails. So I'm cleaning the shop because so I don't have time otherwise. So so now I'm at a point where I can think I can get it all under one roof and then that'll be as I whittle that down, that'll start opening up space. And that's I've got. Lots of things going on right now that we'll start taking some of this out of here, so that'll be
1: good. So very cool. So uh, a couple of random questions. I was just going through your website, and you you offer these with and without speakers. Um, right. And One of the things that, uh, for whatever reason, on all of my setups, when I got the more higher end stuff, I always had external speakers underneath it, and I never had a problem. And but you know, if it, I've had a lot of people complain about speaker positioning next to a tube, how you get the different, uh, the color issues, uh, even with some of the more professional monitors, are there been, like general tips you could give people on speaker placement, how you get your monitor, your speakers in your monitors without interfering with the, uh, you know, the display signal at all or anything?
0: Well, it depends how it, 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 the thing with the speakers is, is the, is the cone magnet in the speaker that you're dealing with. That's anything that's magnetic, especially if you've got a metal cabinet, uh, you know there's all those all the issues about degaussing metal and making sure and you really don't you don't demagnetize an engineer taught me this one time you don't really use a degauss coil around the CRT normally color CRTs it's, it's strictly only a color problem the monochrome doesn't have the issue so but um you end up you end up uh, degaussing the the, CR, the color shears themselves have a degauss coil and that's only for slight anomalies around the metal band that holds the CRT from imploding mm-hmm. exploding, I guess you'd say so um the uh, and what you normally do is is that's to, to uh, it all goes into uh, purity of, of the monitor. The purity of the monitors is 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 affected by magnetic fields. That's why flat panels don't have it. They, they don't deal with an electron guns. Right. You'll never. So it's all those problems that these people have are, are gone. So so what you end up doing is if you have two large speakers too close to this to the deflection yoke or the CRT itself, you're, you're going to bend the beam. Mm-hmm. That magnetic field is going to pull that beam one way down, and that's when you're going to start seeing color variation because again the three beams got to line up with the three holes to give you RGB you know right to give you give you white essentially if they're all on so um our speakers that we put in the cabinets are flush against the side they go on the sides and then, and they're pretty small speakers they're not real big heavy duty you know big 15 inch woofer type speakers or something but so generally you shouldn't have a whole lot of effect uh some CRTs are more susceptible to it depending on how they're designed but for the most part uh, the speakers we put in are, are relatively small that they can be loud but they don't have you don't have to have these huge magnets that are going to interfere and generally what you do is when you when you degauss a cabinet or, or CRT especially externally um, you're not demagnetizing the metal all you're doing is realigning the magnetic particles within that steel mm-hmm. it's still magnetized it's just now they go with the beam instead of across the beam so they're you don't have any effect of bending the beam; it's all goes straight. So that's why when we degauss these, that's. But you can you can degauss in one direction, facing north south center, and then you turn it ninety degrees. You're going to Earth magnetic field is going to make a change on. So you really got to get them where they're going to be, especially if you degauss them. And then they'll be fine. Yeah, but movement. So there's always that need. But so as far as speakers, you know, if they're not right up against the CRT or degauss coil, I mean the deflection coil, you're not going to, you shouldn't see much interference unless it's just you know you know, like I got up in the corner, I got, you know, big 18 inch woofer on the speaker for the building. So I can, I can, you know, fill the building with music when I'm just working. But, (laughs) so, but otherwise that's, you know, that you shouldn't have, shouldn't be a whole lot of interference, you know, unless you're, unless you're dealing, doing something that's relatively larger, has a big magnetic field that would get into the glass. Mm.
1: It's funny because I had a a 32 inch consumer TV with speakers in it. Um, and every, it was on a, a rolling cart and everything's fine. works good. And all of a sudden, I see a purple splotch in the lower right corner of it. And I went, oh, no, I just recapped this whole thing. What happened? And then I I moved it, and the, the purple tint moved. And I went is my speaker for my stereo affecting this from a foot away? And I, It was. All I had to do was move it away. And then the opposite, I had a, a mini arcade machine, and I replaced the, the speaker was slightly in front and on top of the CRT, the, the glass part. So imagine, you know, yeah. the look of an arcade machine. It was in that top part. And I replaced it with a much better speaker with a giant magnet on the back. Zero change in color. Nothing. It had no no effect on it. So I was always wondering, like, why, why does... Something that already has magnetic speakers and it get affected just because it goes by a, a wooden speaker and other ones, I could put that speaker right there and it doesn't have any effect on the picture at all. It all depends on how the magnets and that thing is designed and the direction they're pointing. And
0: those magnetic, the, 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 the 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 magnets in the speaker have obviously characteristics which way the the magnetic particles are aligned too. So if it's aligned with it, you will, if it's perpendicular, it's going to push on it. So. You're getting into some science that's beyond me but it, it i you you generally want to keep anything that magnetically like i've had them use electric forklifts to move my monitors and they get there and they're just destroyed magnetically i mean it, mm-hmm. it takes a while to get them cleaned up because they don't realize that And i had a museum uh, in new york that had a subway that was um above or below i can't remember if it was above or below anyway that was like six stories from where the monitors were and and when the when the when the uh, subway went by because they're electric motors mm-hmm. You've seen what it did to the CRT. It's that we have degauss problems all the time because they've got these gigantic EMF forces going underneath their building. That's crazy. <laughs> so so, I, And they, they came me, can we can we shield these monitors to prevent that? You can, but you're, you're talking two $3,000 a monitor to put shielding on it to try to prevent that interference from hitting the monitor. So that wasn't an option for them, obviously, so they abandoned that idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to protect against the magnetic field of a small speaker versus the magnetic field of the subway system, two totally now, different now
0: things. <laughs> I was freaking out, oh, this is it, the whole order's done. I'm going to have to pack up, take it home because I can't use it. But it, it ended up the type of work that they put on there was so fast and random you couldn't see the subway go by. It was it was changing so it was it was just an absolute miracle that that's what the artist had on those displays because you couldn't see you couldn't see the effect of the subway.
1: That's crazy. So
0: it worked out. I, it was that I went home with uh, luck on that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so. so um, one of the things that's the the bane of all CRT uh, enthusiasts is changing out bad capacitors after they've either dried out or worse started to leak. Um, You know, I obviously use higher end capacitors in your systems. Otherwise you wouldn't be able to, to make them last as long and as durable. Uh, Any, any thoughts or suggestions on that? Anything that you've stumbled across, basically any knowledge you could share with us about that part of it?
0: Well, it's, it's the the ones that really fail are the electrolytic caps. They're they're the ones that have a fluid in them Mm -hmm. electrolyte that, that, that does what it's supposed to do for that capacitor. Uh, and the, the the bigger caps uh, generally will last longer because they're a little better manufactured. But the smaller ones are made pretty inexpensively. Uh, we don't see a lot of a lot of loss in caps. I mean, you're talking really older; it's been used a long time, where that has dried out. Uh, we've got electrolytes that have been in the shelf for years, as long as they're stored well and, and, and temperature controlled. They generally will reform uh, once you put power to them. If they don't, you'll know right away, and then they're just junk. But we we don't see a lot of Every now and then we'll see we'll see caps that are dried out or caps that bulge because, because they, the material's dried up and the cap fails. Uh, uh, there's no way to say how long a certain cap's going to last or what you can do. You essentially just got to find replacement capacitors, put them in. Uh, again, Doctronics doesn't see a lot of that. Just I mean, We've had product running 30,000, 40,000 hours and the caps hold up just fine. So a part of it's designed to how hard that cap's being driven you know, and, and all that. So it's hard to give a one answer fits all. But... Um, uh, generally if, the, if you know the history of the cap and, and where it's been stored and, 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 and it's new when you put it in it should last an awful long time if the design is, if it's designer, if the circuitry is such that certain caps, I've had TVs where the caps go bad and they're just large consumer, tele, the television consumers, they, they had to make them as least expensive as possible, it's all about profit, so uh, the stuff we design you know, like that board I showed you that, that's a G10 fiberglass board all the consumer television uh, boards are made out of paper <laughs> yes layers layers of paper yep so they don't so they won't take heat that thing could take that'll take heat for decades it doesn't care and it won't break down so but you're paying for it too you know you can get a paper phenolic board probably for a dollar and a half and the fiberglass ones are fifteen dollars you know so there's a difference. and you can't do that eighty million with a multiplier of eighty million for consumer if there's too much money that for us we can we're doing you know a hundred a year or something so yeah we'll put better technology, you know, better, better specs and they'll last a lot longer. than so. But
1: I mean, it also on the flip side of it, it would have been pretty stupid for consumer grade TV manufacturers to spend all that money on something that people are probably going to get rid of every five or 10 years. So it, it was fair. Yeah. But in, in the experience that I've had and, and my friends have had, uh, I even actually got to interview a few times a, a broadcast monitor technician um, from California who worked on all the Sony PVM and BVMs. And wherever physically the hot spots were, the hottest spots of the info cards, those are the ones to fail most. Or on things like arcade machines, consumer TVs, like you said, paper boards, whatever. And, you know, I, I just recapped a 32-inch TV, and I did, it, I did it for educational purposes. It didn't need it. I just I wanted to learn about it. I wanted to get more info for my website. Um, but after I did it, everything looked clearer and better even though it wasn't even in bad shape before then. And, you know, I used the best caps I could find. If something was rated at 50 volts, I'd buy the 65, 75, 100-volt version just in case, just, you know. So I, I think it, it, there's both sides of that, right? If you have a really good high-end piece of equipment, you you might have only a handful of capacitors go wrong after a few years or after, you know, a few decades uh, if there was a lot of heat in it or if, as long as there wasn't a lot of heat in it, I guess. So having a, a professional piece of equipment is always... You're always going to get more durability out of it, I guess.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and even though the the unit boards we purchase are paper phenolic, like they're designed well. They they still can have some hotspots in certain places, but overall they're they're well designed because it was more of a cons- it was more of a commercial grade versus a consumer grade. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a big difference. Com- the commercial wants them to last longer. They want to, they don't want to have the phone calls where a consumer they're going to and the consumer won't use it as much as as, as, as the commercial. The consumer actually the consumer will use it more actually than commercially, like say in hotel hospital they're, they're off most of the time so they'll last forever I mean they just don't have any time on them so um, I've seen I've had consumer dealers that I can see where the hotspots are and the electrolytics are failing it's just obvious it's just the way they design it just it's least expensive designers they can get in there to get it out like you said it, it's probably a throwaway after five or ten years you know yeah so what you're seeing a panel same thing you know mm-hmm. it's just going to be the least expensive thing they can do and off at Gold's when it's done.
1: You know. Yeah, I've only repaired one flat panel. I replaced the capacitors and the power board, and I you know, I yeah. took out the uh, the $0.05 cents a piece caps. Even some of the bigger ones were, were pretty low quality, and I put good stuff in there, and it's still going. But I'm even wondering yeah. if that was worth the $50 worth of caps in two hours of my time, you know? But, you know.
0: Yeah, almost yeah. so get to a point where you could depend on what, what the panel is and how old it is. And, you know, is it worth replacing versus putting it? But if you got the time and you enjoy doing it, what does it doesn't make a difference? Exactly, you know? yeah.
1: So um, now, do you only sell commercially, or would you sell individually? If there's a, a an enthusiast with you know with, with deep pockets, because these are not cheap pieces of equipment. I think we've been pretty clear as to why these aren't cheap pieces of equipment. But would you sell directly to any gaming enthusiast that really wanted uh, one of these monitors for their setup?
0: I, certainly, yeah. Yeah, I still, I don't have, mainly it goes to, it goes to commercially, you know, the museums and, mm-hmm. and that they're really the, the large, large color, primarily in the museum industry, they're the ones that really have the demand because they have a need for it that they can't replace, you know, mm-hmm. so it, everybody else had a need for it other than gamers have, have gone flat then. Mm-hmm. You know, I even, I actually bought a, uh, uh, I got a guy local, you probably, I don't know his name, but he's real close to my house here. And he, he, he's huge into old pinballs and old arcade games. So I found him on one of our, I think the network, neighborhood kind of thing where the network gets the neighborhood, puts a, it's kind of a, a, I don't know what they call it, a little social site, again, not, mm-hmm. not a social media kind of, My wife knows more about that. And I found this guy, I said, well, I, years ago, I played the first Mario Brothers game, you know, the stand up big box with the little levers and I had a blast doing that in college and I want another one of those games. So I found this guy just making them, he's making them from scratch and he put a 19 inch flat panel in there because uh-huh. I don't, those old CRTs because I know I can't get parts from them. I mean, I know that, I mean, I, and I don't want, I don't have schematics and I don't have the specs if there's something wrong my engineer could probably spend weeks figuring it out but it's not worth it so I said so I bought one so I got this old retro Mario thing and it's got the same emblems everything on so um, so yeah, they, yeah if there's a need out there for a CRT it would fit you know mm-hmm. then I, then uh, there's no issue in selling the product. To you. Anybody you know, at this point. So. so at
1: this point, obviously, this is always changing because it's, we're we're dealing with whatever's left over to us. But for arcade enthusiasts, uh, being able to find CRT replacements that match up with the stuff that's already there, or even doing a chassis replacement, that's kind of where everybody's at now. People do swap out with the LCDs, but it's it's kind of frowned upon in our circle because at that point, why not just build? build a brand new one from scratch out of wood using LCD panels. Save yourself the trouble that's, of a... That, that's
0: what this guy did for me. Yeah, so exactly. why,
1: why have a 450-pound thing with a you know a, a one-and-a-half-ounce LCD panel in it? Go just build one from scratch. Don't waste parts from other machines. So we're, we're still lucky enough to, that there's enough stock left over, especially when people find consumer TVs that have the same tubes as certain arcade machines so we could plug them in. Um, but one thing that is definitely getting harder to find are these high-end professional video, broadcast video monitors, essentially what what you sell. I mean, higher end pieces of equipment that are meant for more accuracy. So, so people that are really enthusiasts can get them. And the prices I've seen on eBay now are, are, To use the word disgusting is an understatement because a lot of the scalpers get on there now and they charge charge almost what they were new for something that barely even works anymore. I mean, you can still find good deals. I did. I just picked up a really nice one a couple of months ago last year or something. But I think for people that are willing to spend that kind of money for, for something that they're going to keep forever. They want a high-end piece of equipment. You know, the same person that wants to buy a an Acura instead of a Honda, right? It's the same thing, essentially, but it's not. You know, you want that extra bit to it. I think um, that your monitors would be a really great choice. I do think in the gaming world, though, they're going to want uh, RGB and component. Just components, fine. There's converters there because it's just a mathematical difference. It's not like it's changing the signal. So you can get a RGB to component converter that's perfect. But um but, yeah, I, I do think if you have models available. Now, are they uh, – so what are available in both the flat glass and the curved glass?
0: Uh, in, in what I can still produce here in the – in the uh, the flat glass, as I explained is, is the only product I make that will have component input on it. Okay. It's got component S-video and composite. So it's got three options on the back with stereo on all three of those mm-hmm. stereo audios. That's that. That's the product line there that I'll, that I'll build the longest. That'll have I have the most of those that I can produce yet. Uh, then when you get to the twenty-seven curved, then you get into a little bit of S-video component or S-video composite option, or just composite only. It depends on what board sets I have. Mm-hmm. that will match, So I can put things together to make it work. Uh, I got a little bit of twenty-five inch product left that that's kind of that was kind of the lowest demand and least quantity that I was acquiring, so I don't have a lot of that left. And then I do a twenty-inch product which is, uh, which is, uh, this product over the far one over here. Okay. Um, that, that's, uh, that, so that's that product over there. So that, that 20 inch is, is, I can still do you know, three, four dozen of those yet before I start running into glass. But so I, I, have very low quantity of this stuff left that I can produce, but based on my sales demand and my customer base it's probably you know, a couple three years worth of stock yet before I, it, it just my pure speculation, that's where it's going to be unless I come across some more stuff. But, uh, again, I can't get flybacks made anymore either overseas. It used to be Chung paying all kinds of people to make the high voltage flyback. You, that's a custom molded thing and you, you can't get them. So, hmm. um, that's going to be a showstopper. But so those are really, and the, and the, and the, the, the 20 inch, I can do a 20 and a 27 that are RGB. Um, uh, like you showed on that board, I can, I can change the heat sink, get a nine pin in that thing. And then we could do RGB. We never did component with our, our own product line. It just, it wasn't, it just wasn't a demand from our customer base because it was an industrial customer base, not a consumer base. So, uh, so 20,
1: overall, 25 and 27, you could do RGB if requested.
0: Uh, it, it, 25, I could not Okay, 25. Don't have 25 inch glass that would match, uh, that I'd have yokes to match to that board. I, the 27, I can still do some RGB, curved only, and I could do 20 inch RGB. But they're, like I they're, they're those are monumental tasks. Those those, that would, you know, that would be a very expensive monitor, because you've, you've got a, I may have to make a single heat sink out of a metal shop, and that could, you know, that, that could be 500 bucks just for the heat sink. Mm. So somebody's got to set the whole line up, bend it, punch it, do all the fabrication, where I used to maybe make a hundred of those, then, it, then, then they were maybe a $15 bracket. Right. But the one, they got to set the whole line up to make one. So I do have a small metal shop that probably could be less expensive, but you've got to do all that, then we just hook it up and we could get that. We have the tube yoke and board combo that we could put those together for RGB.
1: Yeah. So um, what's the, the line count difference between the 20 and the 27? Because this is where, where line count tends to uh, to really, I, I don't want to say matter, but make be, be as noticeable as you could imagine. So if you have... You know, like so let's say you have a four hundred line uh, line count twenty inch and a four hundred line count twenty seven, so you're going to notice a lot of difference in space. Or, well, they generally
0: they're they're set up the same way. They're 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 NTSC type picture too, whether they're twenty or twenty five or twenty seven. Mm-hmm. So they shouldn't. Have, from my understanding, they have the same line count. Generally, the max you get it's about four eighty to five twenty five line count. So. Uh, uh, each, each tube manufacturer a little bit different, but that's kind of you. They know you're running fifteen seven fifty. You're running NTS frequency, mm-hmm. so RS one seventy. So you're not going to get you're not going to get any uh, uh, more or less line. Lines are fixed. So um, you're right. The smaller than you know, you get a smaller tube. It looks much more high res because the lines are just closer together. Right. So, but how you're driving it? If you're driving it true resolution, it's not. It, it, it's going to be the same number of lines. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, is my understanding. I don't believe they, they put more lines in a 20 as they do a 27 or a 25.
1: Well, in the, uh, you know, and a lot of this is all marketing too, but in the professional and broadcast monitor world, these, they published line counts with each different model. So you can get three different 20 inch monitors. Some of them have 600, 800, or 900 lines in each one. Uh, and if you go up, if you just have a macro camera and you take a picture of this, the same screen on all three, you'll notice more vertical, uh, vertical lines in between all of them. So. That but it can't be
0: the same picture tube. Uh,
1: uh, it, usually, the Sony's the aperture grills changing the picture
0: tube to get those lines. And the colored glass, is triads. You you can't if you if you've got you know, six hundred and forty by four hundred and eighty, you can't change those lines. You, you can sure drive it harder, but you're not going to get any more lines than that six eighty mm-hmm. by four. So it just it just isn't going to happen because it's, it's a mechanical shadow mass that's in those glass tubes. And from my understand, you, you can't change that. So I, I know we've played with that over the years in dottronic and. You, you can bring the frequency up, but you just don't. It just doesn't. You're not getting more lines. So if you've noticed, the, if you have a different line count on those in their color glass, they've added more lines to, to that the glass. glass. Right. Yeah. Exactly. To the shadow master. Right. Yeah. So in mine, you can't do that. Mine, mine all have the same line count because the shadow master fixed. So I don't. I don't have three different twenty-inch. And I do have actually. I do have a about four. Uh, higher resolution uh, twenty inch CRTs, which I got boards and drives with that, it's on the VGA side. Now you need more lines, so they have to give you more. If they don't give you the the triads and the lines, you can't get it out of the board. It's not going to display it. So now it's c- different. Monochrome is a whole other animal. That you can <laughs> right. A limit there. You get one tube, you can do what you based on the gun, and you have to have the gun that can, has a capability of doing that. So.
1: Hmm. And the, the 20 inches that are VGA, are, there, are they only the higher resolution or will they accept NTSC 15 kilohertz as well?
0: They're 315 bottom. So it's VGA only. And I, I think that VGS I, I, have, I have built them for 20 years. I know i got the boards in the shelf and the tubes and the oaks, I'd have to find the metal. And all, but they, they are 20-inch, I know they're 20-inch VGA. They're, we had a Taiwan plant at one time over in, uh, in Taiwan that made a lot of our product when we acquired a company. We got a, we got a really nice facility there years ago. It's no longer there, but that's where a lot of that stuff, because our facility there would buy the stuff and ship it to us. So we had almost like a buying arm in Taiwan for all the stuff we wanted here. So um, that's long gone, but I I did keep them because I knew they were great. The tubes are brand new. The boards were good. So it's about bolting them together and make them work. So I've, I've got, I think, Four or six of those around the plant that are could be built at some time. So I just I didn't throw them because they're so they're they're in immaculate shape. I hate to get rid right of yeah. them.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know that was one thing I was always confused about with with VGA monitors. Let's just say, right? Even your standard off the off the shelf ones. Why wouldn't they work with the the lower frequency? Is it just the electronics aren't programmed? Because there are tri-sync monitors that'll do fifteen, twenty four, and thirty one kilohertz. Is it... if, the electron, if the electronics are set up, they'll do
0: that. We have auto-sync monitors. All your flat panel monitors are auto-synced. Right. All the desktops. So if you can do, you know, six hundred and forty all the way up to whatever the twenty-one hundred lines are, and you can do that. But you only have so many lines on your LCD. So it, they, they they'll take the frequency, but they're only going to display. Right. They make it smaller, but it gets fuzzy. If you know, you get higher edges, it can get more fuzzy because you don't if you don't have if you don't have the the base resolutions not there. Um, so you can, you can certainly drive it if the electronics will accept it. So, but will you can display it is another story, right? You know, but we, we made one of the first auto sync color uh, monochrome monitors. It would go from 15 to 31 kilohertz because our customers had all these different frequencies and they wanted to monitor to lock in at each one of those. And we did that. We made it, it was a huge product for us for years through the eighties and that that's before even these multi multi-frequency flat panel computer monitors came out mm. and now they're another dime a dozen, you know? So, um, but yeah, that, that you have to have like in this, what we have here, it doesn't have the electronics to understand any. You won't. It won't lock into anything less than 31.5. five. You try to put something lower, it's, it's just going to roll. Right. It's not. It's just. It's just not going to understand it because the electronics aren't there. So you have to design it to accept the frequencies that you're going to feed it.
1: So you'd you'd basically have to design a chassis that's able to translate fifteen and thirty-one kilohertz to what the exact flyback and gun is expecting.
0: Yep. 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 Okay. Yeah, and and that's 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 a huge. That could take two years to design a board like that. Yeah. An engineer. And hundreds of thousands. So, it, unless you're in that business, you can sell lots of that. No one's going to do it, right. unless you got a unless you've got an EE and can sit in your basement and play with it for two years yourself. That's great, but most people aren't that smart. <laughs> <laughs> At least not not my world. I got a few engineers that can do it, but then you got to buy the components too. You got to be able. So, in the world today, that's not likely ever going to happen.
1: Right.
0: So, I even place where I buy flybacks in the U.S. because I buy parts of them, mm-hmm. and the guy told me that. All of the – no, they have nobody in that facility that can design a flyback tournament because they're all retired and, they, and the new people wouldn't have a clue what that thing even is. They can build the old designs that are there. They can pull the files and build all day. So that's good for me, but they can't make new ones. That's,
1: uh, that's not, unfortunately not. true in every industry too. I was just reading an article about Texas Instruments has a few chips like that. And uh, one of them has a bug that they're just saying, here's the bug. We're not fixing it because the people that designed it are all gone and no one, none of the new people know how to work on it. So it is what it is.
0: It's not worth investing because they're not going to sell any. Yeah, It's all business, all about revenue. So it's, it's I get it. I, we've got a bunch of, we've got a Panasonic chip that drives these, that drives uh, the 20 inch, my 20 inch product over here. That, that's that got uh, a real complex 42 pin chip that does all of the video processing. No longer made. Fortunately, I got about a thousand of them on the shelf. Good. So that I, I overkill because from the old days. So I've got enough to continue. I mean, to build another hundred of them, I got plenty of chips. So
1: <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Well, I, honestly, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk about this. Uh, you're going to make a lot of people happy talking about all CRTs and showing off all the stuff that you have. Um, I'll put links to your site and everything for anybody with deep enough pockets to want to get one of these things for their collection. Uh, and of course, you know, I'll continue to pass your name along to all the, the different museums I work with, because I, I do occasionally get emails from different museums around the country and sometimes around the world even for, for people looking for this stuff. So We definitely know where yeah. to send them now.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd say it's it, mostly my products labeled so let's say the museums all the different curators go to everybody's museum and see what they're doing and look at their artwork and displays and so a lot of that's just word of mouth i get i keep the website up but otherwise it's they pretty much all know me you know, they they know if they're going to get glass they got to call me so it's, it's uh it's it's a weird business i would have you you told me 20 years ago i'd be sitting here today doing this i would have lost <laughs> that no way no way anybody could because you had to be sitting on the stuff too yeah if you couldn't go out and start this business today and start buying you just can't do it. it's just it's just an anomaly you know it, 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 I would've never for I wish I could say I had foresight like you know like the gates and i got well, apple I got the, I got the windows coming you know, so <laughs> unfortunately, that's not me so
1: well, we're all glad you're here, Kurt, so thank you very much <laughs>
0: appreciate it Bob so yeah if, if you got any questions, shoot me a text or email and I
1: appreciate talking to you. thanks very much.